1: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. <laughs> and it's Thursday, which is time for the Paul of Christ show, where we talk about Jesus Christ and also make God make sense. A lot of us don't realize how senseless we present God. We make God as a thoughtless, fickle God. And yet we say, Woo, he's the Lord. Woo, he's all knowledge. Woo, he's almighty. We say all of those things, and yet we deny all of those elements or suppress those elements or those attributes for our own ends. And so we have got to recognize that. <laughs> how, how are we presenting God? And when people leave us, what do they think about the God we just presented to them? That's very important. Well, before we get into that, as a matter of fact, I do have, a, you know, my, my team asked me, did you have a title? And every now and then I get a title. We were talking in our staff meeting last week, and we were talking about, you know how God continues to use people, even though he breaks he, he allows the estrangement. And a lot of people are being used of God estranged. They're estranged from God. So we're going to talk about that today. And I am so blessed, because first of all, I want you to join me in keeping Prophet Ashley in prayer as she heads home to her father's funeral. As it happens, she not only gets to do her father's funeral, but she is also officiating because, well, she's the minister in the family and she's having a blast with it. And so I, I, we visited a little bit last night before she took off. And, you know, I asked her, well, Are you all set? I am. You know, Prophet Ash she's a trooper. But please keep her in your prayers. And on her behalf, I want to thank all of you who made it possible for her to go home to her dad's funeral. I'm sure she'll be posting her own gratitude online. But I wanted to say that. So hold her up. I think the ceremony is Saturday. So she has, you know, landing tonight, getting ready tomorrow. I am very, very proud of her. I love the saints who know God. You know, the saints who know God know how to handle the passing of a loved one. They know that God's in control. They know that God has it all covered, and they behave very differently. That is not to say that you don't sorrow, because Paul says, you do sorrow, but you sorrow with hope, and that's a powerful thing. So knowing that she will be seeing her dad again, that is a powerful thought. Meanwhile, she can go and still represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I said to her, Um, That's very important And for those of you who officiate um, Homegoings or funerals Or uh, what is it Farewell services Because you know we have a lot of names for them When you do so Remember this fact This is a freebie Remember this fact Those services are for the living And not the dead Dead can't thank you Dead can't say amen Dead can't say hallelujah Debt can't say anything, but the people who come there mourning can say thank you when you deliver it as one who is imparting God's hope, hope for the future. And so I said that to her last night. I said, now, you remember, and, of course, she didn't need me to tell her, but, hey, you know, that maternal streak in me every now and then eats out. And so I said to her, remember, this service is for the living. The death's already been resolved. I know a lot of you all don't know that. We'll talk about that one time later on down the line. I think that might be a uh, very good topic for me to address, how to react to the death of a loved one or departed and why we call it a funeral. I think you might like that. Anyway, <laughs> that's not today, but before I hop in, I'm so excited, before I- in. Next week is the week. Yay! I mean, you know, I'm yaying all by myself right here right now. Yay, I got a couple of silent claps, you know. But yay, next week is our Council Prophetic Training Institute, and I am looking forward to it. This one will be amazing. We say that every year, but then, you know, we say that based on our human um, history, not God's potential and possibilities. Because God can do anything he wants. Well, he's showing off. He has been showing off since we got back in our building the things, the miracles that God has done. One day I'm just going to spend time talking about the miracles of God in our life and in our ministry. You know, a lot of times we don't call it a miracle unless it's, an, uh, you know, physical healing. If it's not a physical healing, then it's, well, you know, God moved or maybe it's providence. I'm not sure. We might kick that around a little bit, huh, Tala? Yeah, okay, and so I want to tell you, it's not too late. Grab your friends, grab your enemies, and grab everything in between, and get yourself a, a ticket. It's still not too late. You can get some discounts. Sometimes you find that those late tickets can be greatly discounted. Make your way here to Tulsa where we talk about the prophetic and present tense. I promise you, you will not leave here disappointed. You will be invigorated. You will be revived. You will be enthusiastic because God is going to meet you here with the prophetic in present tense. You all who have been with me for all of these years, because some of you have been with me all of the five years that I've been doing this, and I say congratulations. We are a powerful team. But some of you know that when God begins to move through our work, and through my mantle, it is unprecedented. Well, we're going to see unprecedented moves and acts of God as we go forward, this event and the ones we have coming in the future. God said unprecedented. You know, people ask me, how do you do this? I mean, what is it that you do? I mean, we're trying to figure it out. And we were in a meeting. Chief, you want to tell them, we were in a meeting recently, and uh, the person that we were talking to, you know, promotes ministries and things like that. What did he say about that? About, you know, particularly
0: about... Your me and God. Church, you and God.
1: Yeah, me and, you know, Jesus is my honey.
0: That yeah, he said
1: too. Yeah, I know, he did. Um, but he said, he, know,
0: he noticed just in the meeting and talking with her and, and how she talked about ministry, uh, that she paid attention to God, which I thought was a very statement and compliment. Mm -hmm. He was weighing that against a lot of the other mega mega ministers that he had
1: promoted and dealt with over the years. Exactly. So he said I had two things. He said, you know, you're amazing. And I said, oh, thank you. You know, because you're gracious. No, I want to make sure I get He said, but you pay attention to God. You know, I've never had anybody really nail it like that, but I do. I attend to God all day long. To me, God is like when I say he's my honey, I don't need cameras, lights, actions, a stage, and an audience to make those statements and to make them genuinely. What I live every day with the Lord is so phenomenal. I keep telling him, Jesus, but you know, we're just so good together. I call him all kinds of love terms, honey, sweetheart, everything I can come up with, because he's, I mean, an a absolutely perfect companion. We're going to talk about that. I'm not just mentioning this. And then, and, and the gentleman also said, but, you know, you have the anointing of the bottom line
0: because
1: yes. I get to the bottom line. And, you know, I try. I sat down with, with, with one official not too long ago, and he said, well, you just go at it. I said, I know I'm terrible with small talk. Hate it. Hate it. I'm bad at it. I'm learning. I'm reading some books on so it. I'm going to take me some classes on small talk so I can get good at it and all of that, you know, kind of fluff stuff. Because, you know, Dr. Price don't have fluff uh, because when you, are, when you are live with God at, in this dimension and in this magnitude, things are very vivid, and they're extremely clear. And so I have to remember to come out of that and say all of the other stuff folks need to hear, you know, fluffing stuff and small talk and and whatever. You know, people have to know me to know that I am filled with the love of Christ because they're so accustomed, chief, to thinking small talk is love talk.
0: Right.
1: And fluff talk is affection. And so we, you know, because that's what you expect, you know, you want your mom and your dad or whatever to do it. Now, I'm very motivational. I'm extremely motivational. As a matter of fact, I'm borderline driving. I'm I'm motivational. I'm going to tell you it's in you. I see you, but I don't flatter. So when I tell you that something is in you, it's there because I'm not a flatterer. I'm terrible. I told you, small talk. Flattery is small talk, you know. And, and, and so I don't do I don't do flattery. It really is. I, I'm not one for that. Um, when I tell you that this is good, it is good. When people say to me, oh, you're trying to flatter me, I say, well, you don't know me because I don't flatter. Because flatter means I have to exaggerate what's not true. And I'm not going to exaggerate what's not true. I'll just as soon say, hey, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Boy, you got something going. You know, in my mind, I don't quite know what that is yet. But I'm not going to flatter you by pulling something up. See, there is a, a dimension of integrity and authenticity that God requires of us because in his world they deal authentically. Oh, that's so good. Where's my oh I got it right here? Woo, early. Did you see you got a slap early? Ha <laughs> ha got some early slaps. And so, um, and so when I when walking with God the way I have, and I want to share that today. And talk about it. But I didn't want to do it and forget to invite you. Don't forget, when this is over, go to DrPaulaAPrice.com and say, Dr. Price, I'm coming. I am coming. And I'm bringing a crew. I'm coming. We have quite a, a quite a few people coming out of Joliet, Illinois. You know, we have a, a nice group coming up out of Jacksonville, Florida. We are doing, this is growing. It's catching on because we are powerful Powerful in God, you know, and I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. We have others coming from around the country. We always do. Here's the the real blessed part: (laughs) we have a, a, you know, again our group gone in, but so many of our people have relocated. Ah, thank God for the so cool (laughs) relocate. They relocated. They are part of the. Power and the glory and the mission that's happening in Tulsa. Scripture organic, culturally unmodified, apostolic Christians. And I'll tell you, I'm going to start talking about apostolic Christians a little more after the event because you all know that's a whole different kind of Christian. Now, if you don't want to wait, go to my Facebook and get all, uh, go to those Tuesday nights that I used to do, all of those Tuesday nights. We talked about apostolic Christians, and it's so important. I'm telling you, it's important, more important now that we beef that up. So I intend to hit it. You know, God gave, you might hear a lot of people talk about new era apostleship. That's a a takeoff from what I did, and I did it years and years ago. In my book, Eternity's General, so you can find out how long ago I did it. Thank you, Chief. In my book, Eternity's Generals, God talked to me about apostleship and apostles shifting new eras. So, you know, the church is good for just snatching this and snatching that and taking somebody else's stuff and putting there. The church is good with that. That's that. You know, all of that lack of ethics is, is, is rampant in the church. But I want you to understand, name aside, I am the chief apostle of new era apostleship restitution. And I, I ignited that in the body of Christ. And I want you to remember, I don't care who you hear doing it. I don't care who you hear snatching it because we snatch it. And that's okay because we got to pro- propagate. It's got to be propagated. So I am so not offended. But I want you to understand authenticity. And we have to start looking for the authentic. When you go to get a 21-carat something, you want an authentic diamond or an authentic zircon. And zircons shine, but they're not diamonds. And so, because it hasn't been through the God press. So you got the man press and you got the God press. So, you know, we have folks that have, you know, done a lot of things and are doing wonderful things for God. Don't criticize them. But understand, I am, and I keep saying it because, you know, people, people do a whole lot of stuff. And over the years, I would say, well, it doesn't matter. It matters. I am the chief apostle of new era apostleship. My organization is New Era Apostleship Restitution that was established in 2007, so I'm not a newbie. And I want you to understand that Scripture Organic, Cultural Modified, is under my commission, and I am the one that's showing God's kingdom how to gather and disciple apostolic Christians. Why does it matter? Because, see, the young folk keep writing that I, that, uh, I got this from day little young folks. So I just want you to understand, I'm over 60. I've been out here 32 years, and they're getting it from me. And why am I saying it? Because I'm the fountainhead, and I like being the fountainhead. I like it, and I want it a matter of record that I am the fountainhead of new era apostleship and new era apostleship restitution. I'm the fountainhead of scripturally organic, culturally modified Christianity. I'm the fountainhead of apostolic Christians and discipling apostolic Christians, and I am the fountainhead. Of prophetic ed Now for those of you who say Well you know you're bragging and boasting on yourself Paul boasted He boasted all the time on what God gave him He let them know his doctrine was the only doctrine That they need to listen to outside of the other apostles Paul said if they don't come preaching this doctrine uh, Let them be a curse He said and if anybody comes to you preaching another Jesus And another gospel Let them be a curse Now Paul said that as an apostle and so I just want you to understand that I don't copycat. I, have, I am too rich to have to copycat. I'm too full and I'm too rich to have to copycat. I don't have to. I don't follow anybody else's anything. They won't say, you got that from so-and-so. I'm like, prove it because you can't. I don't do that. I don't, and I don't do it because I think it's unfair to snatch somebody else's work and somebody else's language and lingo and titles and not give them the credit for it. I think that is as, as ruthless as they are in the world. That's what, they, that's what they do as unsafe folks. And so for safe folks to do it, that is horrible. And then turn around and try to build your own counter institution around it, do it never making the change because, you know, I'm not giving the content, so all you got is a skin, just a name, really, not even a skin. So I, I wanted to make that clear because I want you to understand why it's worth the press for you to come to Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute because it's not redundant. We don't offer redundant anything. It is not redundant. God is, I told you, I have an intimacy with the Lord. I have a relationship with God, etc. that astounds me. I tell them every day. Now, there are those of you all who have strong, intimate relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So I'm saying to you, I want you to recognize that if you're looking for new era apostleship and new era apostleship restitution, if you want the authentic version, the authentic archetypical one, then you have to start here. You start with Dr. Paula Price. If you're looking for the authentic, scripturally organic, culturally modified Christianity that has people relocating to Tulsa, by the oh, come on, you have to come here. This is where you're going to get it, because you may hear the names and you may hear the labels, but you'll not get the substance. You won't get it because, well, we have it. We have the books. So I don't just have the sermon. You know, well, she got a word. No, I got a word. I've got the word. I've got the commission. I've got the mission. I've got the, pl- the service plans, strategic plans. I've got the, the textbooks. I've got the manuals. I've got the re- – you understand, i got this. And I'm saying this because if you're looking for authentic, then this is where you come. Don't go into somebody else and say, well, I don't go to Dr. Price she's hard, because you're actually saying, I want the easiest, down, and dirtiest, quickest way I can get it without any investment and without any impact. Now, I want you to understand that because it's time out for the church to, 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 um, to stop following everybody who sounds like they've been saying. You have got to have discerning ears. You must have ears to hear. You must have a discerning ear. When you listen to that, after the label, what do you get that's different? After the label, what do you get that's new? After the label, what do you hear that you haven't heard? After the label, what do you get that's life-changing and life-altering? Or can you just listen to the label and in 10 seconds get a nap? Because it's the same thing you've heard over and over and over again. See, most of this stuff, they pick it up, and, and you, and you know, we get the big posters, the big banners, we get all of that, and then you hear the exact same thing. You spend your money on this very same thing, and you didn't realize it. You had already said the last time you went and put all that money on a conference and came back with the same thing you went, you said you wouldn't do it again. So then you go and you hear a new name or you hear a new label, and you think that you are honoring your commitment or your vow to yourself and find out you've been duped. I want the church to begin to think about authentic. You know, people want the authentic. You want the organic. I want the authentic. You do not have to allow yourself to be duped or deceived into thinking that you're in the next thing God is doing when all you have looked at is a billboard. See, a billboard does not give you the business. It just tells you about it. But you've got to go to the business to get the substance. And I want you to think differently. One of the reasons that uh, that I'm able to do this is because I thought differently. In the heyday of the charismatic movement, in the heyday of word of faith, in the heyday of evangelicalism, I thought differently. I kept saying, but something is missing. Something's not there. Something's off. Something's falling short. Not that they were not good I would not say that Because that would be to diminish my Savior's work And I won't do that And my Savior's efforts But I will say That the, the comprehensiveness, the holism Was not there And I know the holism was not there Because the church isn't holy I want you to think about that That's a powerful phrase Because holism comes from holiness Comes from holy Comes from wholeness So The fact that the church is not holy tells you you have not had the holistic gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to keep that because, see, that's another mark of authenticity. See, then secondly, you can go and and spend money after money after money filing into this meeting, filing into that meeting, going here and going there, hallelujah, thinking that you have the same thing. I can't even tell you how many people... Say, you know, I got, well, no, I got the same thing that that Paul Price has. She nothing I don't have. Then you go sit down and find out that they don't have anything I have. And you know why? I paid the price. 30 years of offense, 30 years of neglect, 30 years of rejection, 30 years of abuse, 30 years of theft, 30 years of treachery and betrayal, 30 years, 30 years. I paid the price. For authenticity and in the midst of that authenticity i stayed with my god and i stayed with jesus as he is i continue to believe him and when i would sit on the, i'm go home and i'm crying at night and whatever he's gonna worry about this coming a day he said there's coming a day that when you have finished all that i've given you to do that i'm going to pre- present you now i'm giving you the word of the lord because you know what i don't have a lot of folks that's going to say well you know um, this is the, whatever they'll say. I, I applaud her work. She's doing a great job and then go on and take it and prosper from it So I have to fight my own thing right now because that's the way it is But then Paul had to fight his own battles and so did Peter and the other apostles They had to fight their own battle because they were fighting a, a, a machine and a system that God was taking down And the people were confused and they had to let the people know we have it We are the replacements. We are the authentic. We are the solution. We are the next in line. So um, instead of me doing that typical thing that we like to do as Christians and just hide out and say, I'm going to leave it to God, God and I are teaming up in this battle. We're teaming up in this warfare for the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty through God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, imaginations, deceptions. Imitations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. You understand? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to fulfill. I like this part. All obedience, when first our obedience is fulfilled. It doesn't make a difference how much those in the pew don't know God still still judges theft. He still judges treachery. He still judges fraud. He still Judges injustice and inequity. He still judges it, and because he makes his ju- his judgments hit you when you can't stand them, because God's gonna wait till you can't stand, because you know he's gonna get all, all he's gonna get all he wants out of it. If he's gonna squeeze every bit out of it, and then when you can't stand it, then he allows that judgment or the fruit, if you will, the fruit of your uncleanness and wickedness to take hold of your flesh. Oh, this is a powerful statement. I hope you all are hearing it. Because this is important. That's why I call you family. That's why you mean so much to me. we tune in every week because you've been helping me fight a battle you didn't know I was in. And fighting it to the point that people divert this and divert that and containment and whatnot. But well, we're not going to let her in. I'm not going to let her preach. But well, I'm not going to let her in. I'm not going to call her. But well, I'm just going to use her stuff, but I ain't gonna, I'm not going to let anybody know. And so now because there's more and more, more of you increasing, you can hear where my work has been and where I've not been credited for it. And so I'm just, right now, I, you know, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I am not from Oklahoma. I'm like it in Oklahoma, would not go back to New Jersey to live if, unless God really compelled me, and he isn't. I am from New Jersey, and anybody who knows me from my younger years knows that I'm a fighter, and I'm a scrapper. And God had to, and I mean, I went after it, you know, and I, and, and God had to literally break a lot of that out of me so that I could be filled with his love and his wisdom and compassion and his affection and his prudence. And so he did. And over the years that I've produced what I've produced, and, and, and one day I'm going to have my staff print it all out, put it in binders, etc., and show you what God got out of this woman who just believed him. That's all I did is believe it. I paid attention to him. I paid attention to everything that concerned him. When, it, when he said something bothered him, I didn't blow it off like, yeah, well, God, that's the way it is. That's the world. Well, you God, you all right. You're able to take it. You, are, you can handle it. I didn't do that. What I did was simply say, well, then, honey, we need to fix this. We need to make something happen. We need to go after this. And I have done that. And I've done it every day. Sit, well, in the hospital, out, you name it, done it. And you know why? Because I believe in God's kingdom. And I believe in the authenticity he would like to give his people. And we have, the church has been too long dealing with the inauthentic, so much so that you can't even tolerate the authentic. You can't tolerate the real. When you say truth hurts, nowhere in the world has anybody said it. Can you want your your surgeon to tell you a lie about why they're cutting you? Now that's a hurtful truth. You want your doctor to tell you why? Not tell you the whole truth about why they get prescribing a medicine. That's pretty hurtful. How about your electrician? You want them to lie about how they're going to wire your your house? How about your job? You want them to hire you and not tell you what you're really going to do? So they see a lot of them devilish slogans, they come from the blindness of the world, and we buy into them. The truth heals. The truth cures. The truth saves. The truth delivers. So why is it you don't like the truth? I'll leave that question with a dot, dot, dot. Authentic is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The fact that the church is so fused with the world tells you, you have not heard truth because you've not heard God's word. See, the difference between how I look at it and how most people do, many Christians, I don't say all because God's got some faithful folks out there, some powerful leaders, and I'm looking forward to meeting them and communing with them as quickly as possible. But yet the larger majority, that is not so. And so most people, when you hear things like, yeah, well, you know, they, I mean, God is love. And so somebody's telling you the truth, God is love. I, I process that through the word, you know, hallelujah. A pop, open rebuke is better than secret love. Why? Because if we have to go open on the rebuke, it's because you've ignored the secret rebuke. You've ignored those private moments where God was trying to develop you and set you free and cure you from something that Satan was going to use to destroy you later. You need to know that. so important that we know that. Well, I just think that, you know, we have to tell the truth in love. What do you mean, in love or or, or, or in affection? Because there's two different things. Because love is not just an affection. Because there are a lot of people we love we feel no affection for whatsoever, but we love them. Because they're in our soul. Because they are part of our psycho-emotional makeup or composition at the time. So that can be. And we can go on. Well, I just think that God is the God of liberty. Yeah, but it's the God's liberation plan, not yours. See, so you all have a private liberation plan that you're imposing on God. Because as far as you're concerned, he doesn't matter. You know, you think free will is God's will. Free will is not God's will. Free will is your will. God's will is his will. You understand? God does everything according to his will. So you you impose your free will on God's will. I'm talking about now intimacy and and, and instrumentality. I fell right into it. So you need to understand. Well, you know, if I were God, well, you're not. You can't even use that phrase. God can't die. God can't get old. God doesn't get sick. God has no darkness. God has no blindness. God is all light. God is the repository, the reservoir from which everything in life exists. You can't fathom what that feels like. Even if you say, I can imagine, your imagination would be based on the spiritual blindness, the satanic codes in your DNA, the mortality that you're obliged to, aging, your vulnerability to sickness and disease, your subjection and your enslavement to the fallen angels. See, all of those factor into your imagination. So you can't say, if I were God. Now, you know that's good. Let me hit a little something. Boom. You can't say that. Now, I know we use that, but God is like us. No, he isn't. Psalm 50 has God rebuking that statement. He said, you thought I was altogether like you, but I will reprove you. Because God's like, I'm not like you. I don't live to hurt people. I don't have envy. People think that God envies Satan. He doesn't. He doesn't envy him. And so you envy. You, as the righteous of God, envy the sinner. But God doesn't. God pities the sinner. He wants to turn them into a saint. You don't have an idea what it's like to be God. You can't fathom what it's like to have everything in creation on your shoulders in your power, and your responsibility. You cannot imagine. You can try. All you can imagine is your little piece, and your little piece from the little day that you're doing it. So you can't render right and wrong. That's why God wrote his word, because he knew it was not in us. To authentically replicate him or represent him. He had to write it. He would write it out. Bless his holy name So he wrote it out and you know what He said uh uh-uh, uh he's, he's converting Children again we gotta stop that Tell you what we'll do we will, we will Talk people out of the bible And then we will make a lot of Inauthentic versions of the scriptures So that they will not enter The power of God and the power Of gospel because Jesus said You do err not Knowing the scriptures or the power Of God and in that he had a Veiled statement you do not know the power of God in the scriptures, and that is why you err. because you can't know. You can't know. I like doing this. I tell Jesus every day, I said, God, I so love doing this. You You know, folks like, I don't like doing ministry. Yeah, but you like doing, you know, destruction. That's okay. I love serving God. I love knowing this man's heart, mind, and soul. It thrills me. I'm telling you, it thrills me. I don't just handle the manifestations of the spirit or the gifts of the spirit. I handle the man. Then I'll have to worry about manifestation because I've got the man, Christ Jesus. I've got his heart in my soul. I've got his mind, his feelings, his likes, his dislikes, his memoirs, his history, his destiny, his purposes, his sorrows, his, his successes, his aims, his hopes, his aspirations. Do you ever think about God like that? And I do. I do every day. Every day. I look at I I listen to his longing for his church, his desire for his people. I look at the the sorrow he feels, his grief when he looks at the, the idiot, idiotic things Satan gets people to do to risk their salvation or to pervert it. That's a powerful thing. You can't ever serve God beyond your intimacy. You just can't. The way you serve God is is the depth and breadth of your in, in, your intimacy. You cannot do it. I promise. You have to because you cannot. You'll be bound to this man, soul, and not just his duties and responsibilities. Oh, like, hallelujah! I don't know. Did you know that vote. Are you all getting this? Because people ask me, how do you do it? I had no number one. And I let God choose number two, three, four, five, and six in my life priorities, my life pursuits, and in my ministerial hierarchy. As far as I'm concerned, if God likes it, it's a go. Whether I understand it or not, it's a go. If I don't understand it, I will harass them until I do. He's important because he's the almighty. And because God chose to make himself known to me, God chose. I love this man. God chose to cease being anonymous in my life, in my world, not just his work. You don't realize, so you're listening to me, you're hearing it a little differently, but you don't realize how many times God uses people as instruments and sidesteps intimacy with them because their life isn't clean enough, because they don't regard his holiness, because they don't regard his tenderness, because they don't regard how he feels about anything. So you have no idea not any idea how God does what he does. You don't know, you can't figure it out, and you don't really care as long as you can fill your ministry. See, it's all about your ministry, your family, your house, your money, your income, your fame, your notoriety, your following, your gathering, and, and it's that your you thing that kills intimacy. I wrote a book. Some time ago, we might discuss it because Chief always brings it up, and that is when God goes silent. I wrote about when God goes silent. And so, and I wrote it really for prophets and preachers because people start out with God flowing, vibrant, etc., And then all of a sudden, they get in ministry. They start meeting his adversaries who are pretending to be his advocates. They they get into ministry, and they start encountering other doctrines, doctrines of devils, seducing spirits. They get in ministry, and they begin to meet the adversaries of darkness. They begin to meet Satan's agents and sit in his classes, and all of a sudden, they are, little by little, they're being infected until they become contaminated. And then they become a contagion, a spiritual contagion to take God's people off course. But because God's people don't know God in all of his fullness and in his righteousness and holiness, they're always susceptible. How susceptible of you are you to the next seduction? You know that's good. Come on. You know that is good. That is sugar pie Jesus good. And and so I share now now here's something I want you to get because you know sometimes we, you know, I get it, and I, I, you know, I get to you know, you all inbox me on the phone to get me straight. So let me just help you right now. You can't judge this because you were raised by pastors. You were raised under a pastoral paradigm. You were raised under an evangelical paradigm, which is a soul-winning paradigm, not a soul-keeping paradigm. And you were raised. You were raised by pastors. You were raised and trained under a soul-winning paradigm. Hallelujah. You were only interested in uh, knowing the Savior, Jesus, not the Jesus, the God. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead. Most times you don't even tell people Jesus is your God, he's your Savior. So you really are not equipped to do apples and apples and apples conversation with me because you don't know apostleship. You don't know prophetic. I'm telling you the apostles that are out there because I know God. The apostles that are out there have been trained by pastors, have been ruled by pastors, regulated by pastors. They jumped on, into that evangelical paradigm, etc., etc., etc. Which is why we haven't won. Which is why you don't know the difference. When you hear me, you hear the difference. So if you're going if you to send it, I need you to tell me, give me your apostolic, your not even apostolic, apostleship credentials. I need you to give me your prophetic credentials, scriptural credentials. I don't want you to give me scripture quotes and slivers from your pastor who, who you've listened to for years and years, from, your, from the book that you bought, because I'm here to bring the new, and I have the new. I don't just have the name. I have the new, and I have not, I'm not only bringing the authentic, but I'm also giving you the criteria for authentication. So I'm giving you, bringing you the authenticator. Because it's time out for you being ripped up and left for dead by people who just wanted to empty your pocket and empty your bank uh, account and bankrupt your soul. Time out for that. You've been there. You've done it. Most of you have expressed you're tired of it. You're tired of it. So tired of it, you don't want church. So tired of it, you don't want Christianity. So tired of it, you don't want pastors. So tired of it, you don't want religion. And if you do, you want pagan religion. So at least you can get a sensual return. Well, God heard your prayer. And he sent me. For the last 30 plus years, since 1982, God has been grooming me. Kind of like Solomon was being groomed in secret. So everybody talked about Absalom. You hear a lot of sermons about Absalom. You hear a lot of sermons about Solomon after he's on the throne. But nobody hears about Solomon. When he was a kid, when David was reigning, you don't really know. You almost forget Solomon is in the Bible until David puts him on the horse and makes him king. See, a lot of you are like me. You have been groomed in secret. Now, you may not be totally. We might have to, you know, refine a few things, but you are a lot like that. Some of you who are called to this, and you have been so well-groomed in the secret that you know who this is. You know who I am. You know what I'm doing. You know how I'm different, and you understand my, my commission. So I've talked to a lot of heads. Trust me, over 30 years, I've met a lot of them. And as you can see, here we are. And now I'm excited because I can do this commission indebted to none of them and be totally, totally different, totally scripturally organic, culturally modified. Totally new era, apostleship, restitution. Again, I'm telling you, I'm going to keep telling you because you're going to see it popping up, and I'm going to say, but I'm the fountainhead. They got that from Paul of Price. And I'm going to say it bold because if they don't mind stealing, then I don't mind revealing. And I'm going to say it over and over again, and then I'm going to prove I got it because I can. I'm going to prove it came to me, and I'm going to prove that God gave it to me. He told me once, are you all all right with this? Because the Lord told me once, he said, the reason that I have kept you pretty much uh, sequestered is because I don't want what I give you to be preached by the old regime, by the old God, because they're going to turn it into what they know, and I'm still not going to get my harvest from it. So they're going to take the name, they're going to take the label, they're going to take the parts that they agree with, and then they're going to compose a, a literal Com- literally compose a fabricated version that's still not going to have God's power because God's power is not with that. See, when God gets ready to do a new thing, he, he just puts custodians on the old. And so you all, I mean, and, and we need custodians. We need people that keep the old, hallelujah, but he is not going to allow this thing to be perverted. He is not going to allow the old to teach it their way. He wants it taught the way he, he envisions it, the way he gave it, the way he revealed it, the way he delivered it to the planet. And he knew how would do it that way because of our intimacy. And intimacy automatically imposes and provokes integrity. See, you can't, the more intimate you are with someone, the, more, the less likely you are to be integrity with them because that intimacy compels. Loyalty Compels devotion Compels honesty Compels righteousness and truth That is why you have to be very careful Who you become intimate with in the flesh Because you could give your best And you can give your sincerity And genuineness to someone Who is undeserving of it And so Now you know that was good (laughs) Let me hear something How's that Did you like that one good. because you have to recognize that the reason people can do God dirty is because they don't have intimacy. The reason they fail God and don't try to get it right is because of lack of intimacy. The reason that they do not conform is because of lack of intimacy. In other words, they want God stuff and they don't want God. Well, God understands that. And that is why I came up with this wonderful phrase, from, it, from intimacy to instrumentality. Now you know that's good. So in intimacy, when you're intimate with God and God, you and God have relationship, and you have a regular—I mean, not just dutiful prayer, but I mean that that kind of—we are—we're we're together in the same house. We're close in every way. Prayer, and not just prayer, but just—not just prayer, but conversation, not just communion, you know, but conversation. And so, I mean, God, I told him one day last week, I said, you know, Jesus, I'm really loving this. Good boy, this is really great. I'm being with you like this. this is amazing. But you pay a price for it. And most people pay a price. Some people drop off at I. Some people drop off at N. Some people drop off at timidity. And then other people go all the way. So where do you drop off? I don't care what God asks me. And I told him, I don't care what you ask me to do. I'm doing it because you're my God and because you have blessed me in ways humans can't imagine. So whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Jesus says in the scripture, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. And can, how many of us can say that back to him? Ask me to do, I will do it. And you know what? Our confidence is in him because he said it. And so we take him at his word, and we ask him to do all kinds of ridiculous ludicrous things, and he does it because he put his name, he put his character, he put his power, and he put his faithfulness and devotion to us on the line. God's devoted to us. Are we devoted to him? God is devoted. What I like about the word devotion is that it's D and Z O T E vote. God always has my vote. I don't care what he wants I don't care how he wants it And he has had it All the years that I've walked with him The way God delivered me From all of the things That I came to his altar with Uh uh uh, let me tell you, and I mean instantaneously, you all watch my way, me and God, the intimacy, God instantaneously, instantaneously delivered me from drugs, instantaneously delivered me from occultism, instantaneously delivered me from vulgarity and cussing, and instantaneously delivered me from rage, and I can go on down the line, and, and somebody who can do that, oh, are you kidding, I don't, I don't have another God, I don't have a higher power because I got the higher. You know, I, I, again, authenticity. I, don't, I, I just, I, I stay with that. Can you authenticate who God is? And will God authenticate you as one of his devotion, as one of his faithful and loyal ones? He does. He authenticated Moses. He said, Moses, the, Moses, the meekest man in all the earth. Why are you aggravating him? Did he not say it? You know he said it? He said, David, a man after my own heart. I love it. He said, listen to this. He said, Abraham, my friend. So God has people. Enoch Enoch was so so really pleasurable and enjoyable to me, I had to keep him. I couldn't let him go back. I just said, I'm tired of sending you back to that planet because I enjoy us too much. And we like to sing, we're a friend of God. You go in and sing five years, get a hit record on we're a friend of God, and then turn around and pervert God and then... Defects from them. Now, so now we know that you just use the title and name and the slogan, because you really were never God's friend. Because and when you are a friend of God, you take care of God. You take care of His interests. You take care of His issues. You're His go-to person. And I'm God's go-to woman, and He knows it. So He gives me all of this stuff. I mean, I get. I, I, I don't care what I ask. Like I don't have a question about God. I don't have divine questions and curiosities and concerns. And if I do, I, most times before I realize I have them, God will giving me the answer. He's talking to me about it. He's a honey man. He's my sugar pie Jesus. And I love him. And I will take care of God all the days of my life and some. And I don't lie on him. I don't lie and say he gave me something that I stole from somebody else. So I won't lie on him. I don't lie on him and say he said what he didn't say. I will not lie on him because God is truth. God cannot lie. He can't lie. He cannot steal. God cannot sin. Job said, but the Almighty can't sin. So any of those things that we do as mortals in this year round, that's what we do as flesh, and we do it to, to pay homage to Satan. Because when you refuse to lie and you refuse to steal, then you're paying homage to God. That's how you do it. It's not hard. You know, Micah, what, what does the Lord desire of you? That you what? Do justly and rightly and walk humbly with your God. He's very serious. And so here's how God does it. Talk about intimacy. This is what happened. You want to you know? You got to lean in. Come on. Lean in. Yeah. Lean in. God first tries you with his scriptures, the printed text. And he looks at how you handle his printed text because that document represents his authentication, his authenticity, authenticity, rather. So he tries you, and that could be a five- or ten-year thing. When God started teaching me the Word, that's all I know. People ask me today, but I don't know how you just this could be on the Bible. I mean, there are things that, that they do not in the Bible. they are not anything that this earth is doing that's not in that Bible. You just don't know where to find it. And you just don't know how to apply it. In our school, Price University, we work at develop, teaching our students how to rightly divide the word of truth and, so, and how to handle the scriptures. And our, the first thing we teach them is that the Bible and the scriptures are not the same. People can say, I've got the Bible from Microsoft Office, but they can't say they have the, the, the Holy Scriptures from the Almighty. You see? So Bible is just book. But scriptures. That's something else. So God watches how you do, how you handle the scriptures, and then how they affect you. He pays attention, and he marks that. So it's like, who I can't do. I oh my God, oh the book is oh Lord, I can't do that. Ooh, Jesus, God cannot expect me to do that. no no. If they don't trigger interest in you, and then they don't tr- trigger an avid um, learn uh, desire to learn and to increase your learning then God pretty much is going to leave you there. And then after that, God begins to take his scriptures that, that are pretty much just to be remembered, and he begins to crack them open so that you can see in them, because every word of God is a seed, and every word of God is a seed with a core. And so he cracks it open. And again, he sees to see how you handle it. And then he listens for how you use it. Do you change it? Do you fuse it? What do you do with the word of God? And then he moves on to his other phases and steps until he finally moves you from the the, the, the print to the person. When he moves you to the person, that's when things get interesting. Because now that's when it becomes a matter of not your opinion, hallelujah, but your observation and your acceptance. Because, see, you can't change a person. You can't change a person. And so you have to find out what are you going to do with the person of the scripture who is now the author. So what are you going to do with the author? How are you going to handle your relationship with the author who is now using that very platform, that very framework as an infrastructure for your relationship? Oh, this is good. Then you move from the person, and then you begin to move into partnership. And it's the offer of partnership that decides how long you stay with the person and whether you come in and work with Jesus as an intimate or an instrument. Many people, it's when we get to the partnership thing that the whole process stops because partnership requires giving what you don't want to give, taking what you don't want to take, working on what you don't want to work on, relinquishing what you don't want to relinquish, prioritizing God as number one, Two and three, so I understand this One, two, and three slots are already taken Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they're taken So now you have to look at number four Is your family, or your job Or your country, or your Personal aspirations, because one, two, and three Slots are taken You know that's good, let me get that I had to get two Two and one broadcast, wait And so as we, we go on And so in our meeting, we discussed this In our meeting, we literally talked about why is it some people can still be in ministry, still get the word of the Lord, on and on and on, and yet their lives are wrecked, they're so out of order, they're undisciplined, they're erratic, etc. Is because they, they for, literally decided to forego in, intimacy for instrumentality. I just want to be used of God. So I just want to be used of God. I don't need to be close to God. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be legalistic. That means I don't want to be an intimate. Because God is the lawgiver. And religion originated with God. So I want to be bound to Him. I don't even want to be addicted to Him. I just want to be used by God. And if that is your calling, then eventually you'll get to a point that you will take yourself out of the holy place. You'll take yourself out of the secret place. You'll take yourself out of God's round table. You'll take yourself out of His counsel. You'll take yourself out of His wisdom. You'll take yourself out of His. Cabinet, you'll take yourself out of everything that gave you access and clearance to his higher thought and his higher calling, and you will drop down right down there, mid-level or lower, and you will be used of God. Hence, from intimacy, you'll go into instrumentality. And here's how that looks, because sometimes people don't know. The first thing you're going to notice is that God doesn't talk to you Until he needs to use you You told him I just want to be used to God And he's going to do What you said He's going to only communicate And commune with you when he has to use you He will give you words I'm telling you he'll give you words You'll still get some visions You'll get some dreams And all of that will be wonderful It'll take you anywhere between Six months to three years To realize that's all you get. And then all of a sudden, you'll start missing the intimacy. You'll start missing God. You'll start missing that presence. You'll start missing that warmth. You'll start missing that companionship, that friendship. God will always accompany you, but companionship will suffer. Very different, my beloved. Very different. And so that's the first thing. Gonna, you, he's, uh, God's going to talk to you when he needs you. God will correct you when it jeopardizes what he's doing. Otherwise, he will not discipline you. He'll let you just run them up until, because he knows, see, if he doesn't eat it, then it says the wages of sin is death. And that if you sow to the flesh, you will have the flesh with corruption. See, God knows that. He, see, he understands his creation. You, you assume on it, but God understands it. So he already knows, unless you're going to jeopardize what he wants to do, God's not going to interfere. He's going to let you live your little life the way you want to live it and also be silent on all of the consequences of your decision to distance yourself from him. Uh, Ultimately, you're going to feel the estrangement. You're going to say, you know, the Lord doesn't do what he used to do. You know, the Lord doesn't talk like he used to talk. Well, you know, the Lord doesn't. We don't have the same because I don't care how powerful the minister, they know when they have been shifted from intimacy to instrumentality. You're no longer an intimate, you're an instrument. Oh, yeah, are you all following me with this? Because this is the word of the Lord in this hour. So you wanted to know, how can so-and-so, brother this and sister that, still be used, still be followed and whatnot? Because God is using them. They are no longer in his intimate circle. They are now simply on his staff, not even on his team. They're now just part of the vessels that he used. And so, because you asked for it. You said, I don't want this. You know, this is too costly. My my friends don't like me. My mama's mad all the time. I can't keep a job. I can't do that. You got all of these reasons. And God said, okay, so if I'm not worth that, then you're not worth me. And he wrote it. He said, if you don't pay father, mother, what do you think he was saying? Father, mother, sister, brother, wife, family, whatever. He said, you're not worthy of me. Jesus has no identity crisis and he wants, he knows he's worthwhile, so he only wants the worthy. Now we use all our logic. We do that all the time because humans do. I mean, we've been on this topic for a few, I don't know, a few weeks now. We, have, not, we, we understand that. And so we think God can't read our logic. Guess what? God reads devil code. You can demonically encrypt anything you want, but God is the word. So he can decrypt it and tell you what your thoughts and your intents are. And that's something I don't play with. Like when I go and say things of stupid stuff, you know, ain't God correct me? And I say, you know, God, I knew better than that. That's intimacy. God, thank you for telling me. Lord, I stand corrected. Lord, you don't deserve this. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, sweetheart. You don't deserve this. This is not how to take care of you. We have that kind of, that's intimate talk. That's the talk you have with your spouse, your children, your best friend. You don't deserve that. I mean, I don't just say, oops, uh, well, you know, I'm only human. I never give God that statement because if I'm only human, then I'm not filled with His divine nature. So I don't give him that as an excuse. But, God, I'm not like you, then you're not saved. And that's what he said, you're not saved because everybody I saved, I saved to be like me. And so we have those kinds of conversation, and I do everything possible to keep God in the forefront of my mind, to keep him flooding my consciousness, because I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget and begin to, to neglect him. I don't want to forget. And I'm not just talking about my morning prayers and the Bible reading and all of that. I'm talking about the companionship. I'm talking about the intimacy, the interrelationship that we share. I don't want to risk it. And I tell him, God, I don't want to risk it. And so when I have a challenge, and I do, I mean, I have some. Ooh, Jesus. Especially when you become like me, you've done all of this stuff, and folks know you and God are in a place. Satan is always trying to get into God's place. So wherever, wherever God's place is in you, he's always going to push to get in, because he said that's what he's going to do. Isaiah 14, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. He always wants to get in God's seat. He always wants to get in God's place. So he wants to be in God's seat in your affections. He wants to be in God's seat in your your decisions. He wants to be in God's seat in your passions and in your pursuit. And see, I realized that, and I'm not giving him that. I, when I walked away from Satan, I walked away from everything that reminded me of him. I walked away from everything that smacked of him. As a matter of fact, it, it took a long time for God to filter that out and say, "Okay, now listen." Because I was on. I was like, "I got. am like Pete. I got a sword. I'm cutting off ears, legs, arms, you name it." So it took me a while, but I talk to God that way. I don't just wait till you. Okay, God, well, I'm going to repent and pray. If I by that time I, I've forgotten, you better know the devil's gonna see to it that you forgot you have to repent and something. I talk to God like that. I treat him in the moment because he's in the moment. He can't miss it. I said, God, I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm having a struggle. I said, I'm not going to treat you like you don't know. I'm in this battle right now. I'm not going to treat you as if you don't know. You have to be told. I don't have to tell you. I treat him like he's ever-present, ever-aware, and ever-worthy. I don't have anything that God's not worth. I'm going to tell you right now, i got not one thing. I don't care. And I, I love my family, love my my marriage, I loved all of that, but not more than Jesus Christ, because all of that was in trouble until I got a Jesus. And when I got messed up for Jesus, all of that became perfected and blessed by Him. So I don't have those moments. I don't think like that. When I'm, I don't care if I'm watching the television show. Me and God watching. It. God, is that the stupidest thing you've ever seen? Come on, Jesus. Or either, Lord, that's kind of cute. Why? Because I'm not gonna ask that he back as if he doesn't know. You all who go to go into the bed of fornication and adultery, you go and got another ask God to close his eyes like he needs eyeballs to see what you're doing. Lord, I'm just gonna ask you to just close your eyes and then I'll repent later. God said, Well, what makes you think I'm accepted? Just because you say I'm sorry, just because you say I repent doesn't mean God receives it. You can assume, but God knows that next week you're going to be there again, so why bother? Very interesting. You know, there's so much that I can say about my relationship with God that he created. I wish I can tell you I was it. I mean, I wish I can tell you I did it. I didn't. I got up off that floor when God delivered me from I don't even know how many devils, and I got up. And uh, that night after the service, I went home, he woke me up, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, he said, you're going to know me, he said, and you're going to know me as I am. He said, not only are you going to know me as I am, he said, I'm I'm taking that you'll know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, he said, I'm taking that to the next level, you're going to know me as I am. He took me to his Bible, he said, you see this book, you're going to know this book, because I understood this book and them once. And then he began to teach me himself, and he tells me, it's you and me. He said, I know people are going to tell you, you need this, you need that, you need a man, you need a monkey, you need a monster, you need something. He said, I'm telling you, you got one thing, me, I'm it. He said, and all you need is me. And all you need is this. For a while, all I could do was Bible. I couldn't do any other things. People said, well, why didn't you read the other stuff? I'm trying. I won't. Head, you know, because God is in you. So he can really make it very difficult for you to push against him. And so he said, it's you and me. Well, I told somebody that. They said, well, that's for all of us. Well, I thought, I don't know whether it is or isn't. But I'll tell you what, 30 years later, I realized that was a very powerful statement. I was told you needed to go to school, broke my neck to try to get in. Oral Roberts, broke my neck to try to get in the rain, or trying to get someplace. He said no. And so I heard his feelings, and I didn't realize that God was offended. And he said, you know, I can send you to any one of my prophets, and they're all good. He said, but I chose to train you myself. Because with you, I'm doing a new thing. And I'm telling you, I was stunned. Like even now, as I shared this with you, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm amazed because he didn't say, I can send you to any one of my teachers. That should have been a clue. He said, I can send you to any one of my prophets. And they're all good. So he wasn't, any, by any stretch of the imagination, he was not disparaging his prophets, he was not disparaging his institutions or his education. He said, you, I handpicked, I singled out to train you myself. I was so sorry, I repented, I was, it just broke my heart, I thought, Jesus, I didn't know, you know, because when you're new and young and unlearned, you do all kinds of stuff, but see, God knows your immature stuff from your menacing and maniacal stuff, See, he can sit, he knows between all of that, and when you're immature, he just treats you as a, as a baby, He's I just need to mature you in that, but when you are rebellious and self-will, he calls you menacing and maniacal, you're a menace to his kingdom, and you're a maniac, in the things that handle him. Your brain has to be trained. So it took a while. I wish I could tell you it was good. It, it it was wonderful. I had the training, but it was always full of object lessons, which which were the trials. Those trials ended up being object lessons. Oh, Jesus, I'm going through again. This one doesn't like me. That one doesn't want me, on and on and on. He said, I'm toughening you up. A lot of people don't like me. I'm still God. I said, really? You know, I, that was one of those statements, Chief, that you just sit there and go, And you don't know what to do with it. He said, This whole story that everybody loves me, no, they don't. He said, I'm telling you, I already got rid of one third of my population that didn't love me. I said, You're right, Jesus. He says, so get used to it. We're on a mission. We're on a purpose. We're pursuing something. And it's what we're pursuing that takes precedence over everything else. People don't like me, that's fine. I'm still God. Do I care if they like me or not? They're still gonna get old, they're still gonna get sick, they're still gonna get die, they're still still gonna die, they're still gonna age, they're still gonna live with unanswered prayer. Cause I don't care. I'm on a purpose. Now if you wanna love me, come out. If you don't wanna love me, I'm still gonna use you. You are an instrument. Intimacy is a privilege. It is not your and right. There are a lot of people who don't even know if there is a God, let alone his name is Jesus. There are a lot of people still don't know God's first name, don't know his last name, and don't know any of the names. And God got this thing so sewed up while chiefs and the prophets are coming. God's got this thing so sewed up. He has a phrase in in it. And he's been telling me that I did not get because, you know, we mentally— And we uh, doctrinally edit God's comments. We always do. We edit them. And so he said to me, he said, but do you know the scripture? What do you think the scripture means? that says, but I have given him every name that is named in heaven and on earth. Every name. I said, he said, you all read that. He said, because I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm beginning and the end. I'm first and the last. He said, and you all read that and you edit it to say every good name, every approved name. He said, but I didn't say that. I said every name. Every name is mine. Whatever you name it's mine. Whatever you call it, I'm it. And I'm it because I can't be out of it in any sense. At every level, God's got to be. Alpha and Omega. And Christians don't know that because you're listening to your pastor and say, Well, God's a good God. God is God. Good and evil, that's God's business. He said, I created evil. I created the waster to destroy. I created the devil. The deceived and the deceiver are mine. These are real statements, guys, that you don't know about. These are real God Himself. These are real declarations, attributes that He Himself has. I am everything. Find something and I'm it. And I control it. And I make it happen. I'm not limited by your prayer. I'm not limited by anything. He said I make discreet judgments. God's judicious. So he makes judgments for his best interest. But because every name is his, because he is every name, do you know what that means? God judges for his best interest. And when he wants something, he gets it. I want your home. I'm taking your home. I want your marriage, I'm taking your marriage. I want your kids, I'm taking your kids. I want them with me, then they're with me. If I want them out of my presence, they're out of my presence. See, that's what scares us about God, because he's too God. You know, somebody that almighty, you almost always do. Like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, you want to say, oh. Jesus. But I'm telling you, God is God, and he's God for a reason. Because he's the beginning and the end. Everything is in him. There's not one thing out of our God. And I'm telling you this because folks, you the intimacy is a decision. Instrumentality, obligation. God will use you. God said to Pharaoh, for this, what did he say? For this cause? For this reason, I raise you up that I may show my power. I don't care about your power. God said to Cyrus, I'm gonna use you even though you don't know me. You never knew me, but I'm going to use you. Because God's like, I don't need to be intimate to get my things done. I don't need to be intimate to get my, instructions, get my instruments working. Right. I, I need mean intimate because I am God, and I love fellowship. I love companionship. But on my terms and under my description, not yours. So your free will doesn't mean a thing to God. God is never moving on our free will. He's moving on his will. And his will is permitted, I permit it or I don't, I need it or I don't, I indulge it or I don't, and if it doesn't matter to me, I ignore it. So you look like you're in charge because he's ignoring your will. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah? Yes. Yes. Well, we're going to go here first because, you know, this one's going to get spanky. I have to give you your day because you know, Because <laughs> the chief is the chief. You know, you're the archette. <laughs> Do you feel today? Sure. <laughs> first of all, you know how much I love my, t- my girls, these are my teens. And I can still call them girls because I got older, so there you go. And, you know, I love my chief prophet mm-hmm. and my daughter, and I love my regional prophet, also my daughter. I have so many. I'm just enjoying my family today, Good. so I'm grateful. How are you doing today, Prophet Adia? Good. I
0: had to remember to take notes a little bit because I was listening. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Hey, I was like, wait. wait, wait. Me. I, need to I need to have something. Yeah, I, like to. I did, I, I do. did. Um, I loved how you talked about your journey, you know, the price that you paid to get here. I think a lot of people need to hear that. Um, because we're in a time where we want to get things very quickly. Um, and we I mean, we're at a time where we consider two years to be too long uh-huh. to, to be a disciple yeah. or to learn something. So I just love so how you talked to, exactly like it's interesting where we're at right now. We want things to happen right away. Um, and I just love how you talked about this is not an overnight thing, that you became this person oh. over, over the time that you dedicated. I like how you talked about regard and holiness is what produces intimacy. This holiness piece, mm-hmm. yeah, we need that. No, no, we, We're not teaching that, that anymore no. about holiness. That's mm-hmm. something that we shied away from. Um, you talked about how our self-absorption kills intimacy uh yeah we got to choose <laughs> it's either about you or it's going to be about god and mm-hmm. choosing you means that there's not going to be intimacy i love how you talked about how intimacy compels loyalty and that Mm -hmm. this was good this is what i I, i'd like to there's so many things but you said we fail god when we lack intimacy Mm -hmm. um why why do you think that that is i mean i i i I, it hit me in a spot Mm -hmm. and um i would love for you to maybe elaborate on that a little bit um because i think a lot of people are at that place i was looking at the comments a lot of us our heads are turning we're going man god like where am I at? You know, mm-hmm. how, how can I fill this gap? But why, why is it that we become a failure to him when we don't have intimacy?
1: Because intimacy is how you know God's thoughts and intents. You know, we, we preach how much he knows our thoughts and intents. Mm-hmm. But intimacy is how you know God's thoughts and intents. So, in other words, God will tell you to do something, but intimacy will move him to explain what it means to him. If you lack in, in, intimacy, then God will just say, all I need from you is obedience, faith and obedience, and, and mostly obedience because faith comes out of obedience. And so when you are just an instrument, God just keeps talking about obedience, that you just need to obey. He does, you know. And, but when you're intimate, he starts telling you what he's dealing with and what he's facing or what he's building, and he begins to share things with you like your own natural boss. You know, there are people on my staff, I just say, I need you to type this, but then when I get with this, I'm talking about something wholly different because I'm looking for a unity. I'm looking for a oneness, and I'm looking for a collaboration that assures that the venture or the enterprise works. So when you don't understand uh, when when you get to a point that you don't have intimacy, you get tired of God telling you what to do. Eventually, you become sloppy, and eventually, you become irritated. You become indifferent because you're just, I just, he just had me do the same thing, you know, just the same thing. And all he keeps telling me is do it and obey me and all that. See, God, when you get into intimacy, you come out of one word. You come out of, you get into sentences, mm-hmm. not just statements, and you come out of those monosyllables, and you get into full-fledged conversations. Does that help? No, that's good, that's good. That's really good.
0: Uh, Okay. Will God authenticate you? Mm-hmm. we like to say we're a friend of God that was good, you like to say we're a friend of God but it's, but does it's God say you're his friend um, I don't think we think about that too much you know, would God own up to me yeah. you know what I mean, We uh, there's a lot of assumption that we throw around on God, I love how this program challenges those assumptions um, you know, when you're invisible, just a lot of people assume and speak for mm-hmm. you um, and we do that in our relationship with him you know, mm-hmm. we assume he's at, it's, it's as if we're playing both roles you, yeah. know, you know, those are role play where you're one person, then you switch and you're the same person and I feel like we do that with our relationship mm-hmm. with god you know we, we speak to him and then we turn around and we speak <laughs> for him and we answer ourselves um so I, I thought that was really good as well god watches how you treat and respond to the scriptures when you went into that section about how he goes from word to person person to partnership um that partnership piece do you, is it is it that you think that there's only a small this is a, a genuine question is there a small amount of people in the world who would be god's partners are most of us mm-hmm. on a base level relationship with God? Well, looking at the state
1: of the world, the uh, rampage of the enemy, the massive exodus from Christianity, um, the huge fusion of Christianity, I would simply say, yeah, it's only a few people because God is difficult. When you first start with God, and I'm not saying it, you know, it's true. And and when you're intimate with somebody, he, he just he knows my heart. And he knows I'm loving on him. And I'm also guarding him. I'm guarding God. See, people don't guard God. They don't guard. Why did did Lucifer fall? He stopped guarding God. He started competing with God. He started rivaling with him. He started wanting to be God. You know, And he makes that statement in the garden. And so I guard God. I want God's reputation kept intact. I want God's authenticity to be well-known and to be genuine. I want God's uh, uh, guardianship, God's, God's protections to be there. I want to guard his personality, his people, his possessions. See, I want to guard God. Intimacy makes you a guard. Mm-hmm. Oh, someone, help That's me. Because when you are intimate with a person, you become a guard. That's why we know people aren't intimate, because they're not trying to guard God. That's mm-hmm. why the church voted in all of the stuff it voted in, because it stopped, it, it stopped being intimate, mm-hmm. because intimacy makes you a guard. You know that's good. Is that good, Daddy? So, what, to answer your question now, which I think I've done, you shall know them by their fruits. The fact that people don't want to guard God's holiness, they don't want to guard His righteousness, they don't want to guard His government, they don't want to guard His want to guard His place in people's lives, His duties and responsibilities to His creation, that saves it all. So you may be you may participate in a venture God's assigned you. But you're not a partner Because you know you can sue a partner Who is unethical Unjust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Disloyal, conflicts of interest Competitive, rival. you can sue them And so what I think Is that people fall off The guardian piece Like there are things that my family Could never tell, say to me about God Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut up, y'all can't mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, back down mm-hmm. And I'm so serious you won't back down off of that. You will not sit in my face and tell me this and talk about my God. Now, you can sit on television. You can sit in the movie, sit in your car. You can sit in the yard. But in my, you're not doing that. In my house, we did not act as if God was incidental. I had a, a, a woman say to me one time she wanted to correct me because one of the people who had crossed my path had an issue. And so I want you all to brace yourself because, you know, Dr. Price gets a little bit strong. <laughs> Hold on. And so she was just saying, I just think, you know, doing the whole God is love thing, and I just think you uh-uh. I said, first of all, that woman's a whore, and I refuse to be an apostle of Jesus Christ judged by a whore. You will not judge me by a whore. A whore cannot tell me how to serve Jesus Christ. I said, I'm telling you, I look at Facebook. look at her pictures, look at how she dresses, look at what she doesn't wear, look at how she, you will not, don't ever talk to me about, I'm going to be judged by a whore. If you're going to judge me, a holy woman, then you need to judge me by a holy woman. You need to judge me by a holy man. Otherwise, I don't care. Whores, all of those people, you have no right to judge me, and you have no right to comment. Now, you you have the latitude, but you don't have the righteousness. It was like a stunning conversation. Don't you ever judge me by a whore. Ever. Don't you bring When you're going to tell me about somebody got an issue with Paula Price, they need to be equal. Tip for cat. Holy for holy. Righteous for righteous. Just for just. Truth for truth. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, don't bring it. That's why when these people write this stuff, around, I'm like, oh, please. Are you kidding me? If if Jesus punched you in the face, you wouldn't know him. Yeah. Are they flowing with me? <laughs> You will not, ju- I'm a holy woman of God. <laughs> I am holy on purpose. I am holy because I chose to be, and I'm holy because I understand it. I am not holy just because I wear one dress or another dress. I make my choices because I'm holy. Holiness makes my decisions for me. Holiness chooses my actions. Holiness chooses my friends. Holiness chooses my assignment. Holiness chooses my words, chooses my prayer, chooses my ventures, choosing what I do. Holiness is my decider. So you will not judge me by somebody who is unholy. I have made it my business to make people think about Jesus Christ when I cross their path. I do that deliberately. I want them to know. Well, my, do sound like Jesus. I can tell the Lord is with you. I can tell you and God together. You better know God's my sugar, and I don't default on Him.
0: Well, one? No, Judis,
1: like, what are you doing? <laughs> You can holiness is, isn't that what it is? It's not just religion for me. It is the nature, the divine nature that's in me that makes the decisions about what I do and don't do. I am filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and I like it. I love it. I go, mm, 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 love, yes, I do. Young, young Jesus. Yes, I do. I, 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 I do this at 3.30 in the morning. If you ask the Lord, he's going to tell you. God why I like this. I was so mad Don't you ever rebuke me By somebody Who is Ought to be rebuked <clears throat> I need you to First bring me Somebody who's unrebukable. Now then we're going To sit down and talk Now we've got a conversation
0: Praise the Lord Aren't you glad You brought me <laughs> See? See how you do <laughs> uh, Okay You said Intimacy To instrumentality uh, being used, this is what I wrote based on what you were talking about, being used by God but not connecting with him, just being part of his staff, you said, not on his team. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the team is close. Mm-hmm.
1: It's
0: true. Your staff can be all the way Paid out fun. there,
1: you know? It. Yeah, his team is in the inner office, the outer office. Everybody else yeah. is in the lobby or the lower floors, and some people are in the parking
0: lot. we got them parking lot servants. See, that's the thing. I think that's, I mean, we need teaching like this because to it brings awareness so that you can find out where you're at because mm-hmm. to be serving God, I think that's 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 travesty that's to be you know to be serving God or thinking that you are um that you're on an intimate level but Mm -hmm. you're not you know what I mean thinking that you're that you're partnering with him but you're not and we need somebody to help us to paint that picture of what partnership actually looks like that so that we know whether we're making it or we're missing it you know and that's what I do like about this show am I making it or am I missing it you know am I am I hitting the mark with God or am I not and we need to have those honest conversations and not just assume that everyone's personal interpretation is correct so if I feel like I'm in God's team I'm on God's team Mm -hmm. but actually having a standard to say this is what being on God's team actually looks like, that's important. Yeah. But, you know, and also because people are, you know,
1: people who are just out there, even off the team, let's say we're not on the staff, then God has a whole other group. The majority of people are just pastors the Lord told me to, the Lord sent me to, you know, the Lord just, man, I mean, God never spoke to me before, and now he's speaking to me. Are you kidding? I told God when he opened up his mouth to me the first time, I was so serious. I don't even know why God just listened to me like that, but he did it. I said, now, listen, I know a lot of people don't want you talking. I expect you talk every day. I mean, I want to hear from you every day. Mm-hmm. He said, that, you know, nothing. As much as he didn't say anything. Next morning I woke up, he just chatting and been chatting ever since. And I appreciate that. You can't have a relationship with somebody who won't talk to you. Because, yes. you know, even in a marriage, that marriage is dead when one person starts talking. Mm-hmm. Stop talking, just dead. So you know good and well when it comes to Jesus Christ, when he decides, I don't want to talk, he won't. And I'll go to God because, you know, I'm going to be the good intercession. You know, we got all of our intercession rules. I go to God, and I say, God, they say, you I don't want to hear it. Do not No, don't bring that person to me. Oh, okay. Well. And I go back and say, You and God got issues, and I'm staying out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. Because I'm not going to jeopardize my intimacy just because you have fallen into instrumentality. That's not my, He wants you to be a vessel. God bless you. Be a vessel. Hallelujah. I'm going to be a honey. Oh mm-hmm. I already planned it. I'll work and make it being my God's honey. I'm telling all time. Be your honey forever. Amen. So you get used to it. And when I get to heaven I'm gonna be all over you like a I'm telling you like your robe. I'm, i yes, I'm grabbing all
0: everything. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm 'cause I enjoy it. Okay, my last one. Okay. You talked about being worthy of him. So I just wrote we're, we're not being worthy of him. Um <clears throat> uh essentially you talked about how, you know, God is gonna come and want to be in communion with people who are doing what it takes just to actually have his presence. I was doing one of our classes on prophetic worship, and I was going through the handbook that you wrote on uh, signs of uh, prophetic apostolic worship. And one of the things you talked about, I'm just going to say that because it goes with this, um, is how, you know, Prophetic worshipers are always trying to pull in Christ appearing, mm-hmm. you know, for him to come and to have communion with you through that worship. And it made me think about that, about that when you were talking mm-hmm. about that today. You know, we think that being in any state, that that, that because of the fact that the, the scriptures teach us that God forgives, that any state is worthy of his appearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not true, you no. know, and I love how you talked about that today. You know, holiness mm-hmm. is required. You know, God is not going to come near to you in your mess. He's not going to want to dwell in that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing for him to save your soul mm-hmm. from your mess. You know, yeah. he needs to come get you out of the miry clay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's another thing for you to um, habitually create that environment for him and expect him to want to be there. You know, that's mm-hmm. that kid that knows that their room is always dirty and they want you to come and sit in them and eat. eat and your, always you're like, dirty. I'm not going to do that. Clean this room. I mm-hmm. want to eat you know, with you and spend time with you, but you got to clean this room. Yeah. You know, and so I think that that is something that you're saying to us they, we, we gotta clean the river, man. Like some things have to be cleaned up for us yeah. in order for us to to have that intimacy with God that we require. That He requires some things from us in order for that to happen. Yes,
1: that's a good point. You know, uh, when I think about um, when I think about intimacy, I literally and, and and sometimes you have to start with your outer self so that you have a, a physical model to deal with your inner self because it's a process. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found out is that people have so convinced themselves that human reaction is divine affirmation, that they don't know the difference between the two. Just because people start sobbing because you sing a song that brings up their guilt, brings up their, their sadness, brings up their longing, just because you sing that song doesn't mean God needed that song. He just went along with it. And we, all, we, force, we force a tolerance on God that we want. I don't want, I mean, I would want somebody to let me do what I want to do. I don't want anybody to call my stuff, so I'm not going to call anybody stuff. I don't want anybody to tell me that I'm unholy, so I won't say it. But see, God is not like that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I have found out as worship, and I am God, I thank the man for Hallelujah. God, when God is in a worship, you're going to see angels. Mm -hmm. God sends his angels because he doesn't trust you in worship. (laughs) (laughs) Like, now, the Holy Ghost, <laughs> y'all, you, you may see false angels because, you know, Satan be trying to show up. You know, I got so good on I me, mean, like, you are so not it. Y'all, uh-uh, you're not real. I know you're not. You're not God. But God will begin to send his people because God, everything God wants from something that he's pleased with, he fortifies. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't fortify it with just the anointed. He fortifies it with the, with the powers and the spirits that cannot fail him because if he's going to be close to you he wants to be pleased if he's going to be close to you he wants to be delighted if he's going to be close to you he wants to enjoy the experience you're so happy with your experience that you don't care whether or not god is enjoying the experience at all when I started training my praise and worship team, we went into that. We, honey, notes, fala la la la, you know, do re mi fa solati, don't mean a thing to God. God got people who can't hold a singing note and get them out there singing all the time. Why? Because they delight Him. Because the spirit from which that is coming is a fragrance to Him. Mm-hmm. And see, when God, when you bring up that fragrance, you look in the Bible, He talks about some very important things. He talks about fragrance, He talks about aroma. He talks about sin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's talk. he talks about a feeling. All of those that he tells you, if I'm going to be close to you, you can't be the only one enjoying the experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we start doing praise and worship, and when my praise and worship team cuts up, I act ugly. I need all y'all to sit down. And the reason, and i have to do it once. Once? <laughs> okay, twice? Okay, well, even, we don't do it any longer. How about that? Okay, good. (laughs) But I tell them, I don't care how the people respond to your praise and worship. I don't care how they respond to your song. I don't care because people don't know better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People just know what they feel, but Mm -hmm. they trust that I've done my job to put the best before them. Mm -hmm. So I don't care about that. What I want to see is how God responds to you. I can go to some of – I've been to churches, baby, some of the biggest – they got the best instruments, they got stuff going on and whatnot. Everybody is thrilled. Everybody showed up but the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Then I go into these other things. They got the little tin can. They're just trying their best, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, heaven is just oh, – oh, oh. I was like, okay, so God, there's no predicting you. <laughs> <laughs> but God said, if you're going to be a praise and worship – I told them you will never be a better praise and worship on a stage than you are in your secret place. Mm -hmm. See, when God fills your bedroom, fills your song room, when God fills that, then you better know he's pleased. Because if you can't move him in secret, you will never get him to move in public. He will let all those other things that you got, your little devils, human enthusiasm, he'll let all of that there and, and whatever, but you will know God, doesn't do that for me mm-hmm. and say I was so serious about God. I was like, I want this and so if you don't like it We don't do it yeah. That was a good statement. Did you want to say something that like you, you can come we're letting
0: me slow baby, because no. we know you can put warriors! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I'll just say a few things actually uh, <laughs> That that you said here that I think is interesting. I think that most people would have never uh, thought about even making this kind of distinction because we've been taught that as long as you're hearing from God and obeying him, then he's pleased with you. We would have never thought of it in terms of degrees or levels of closeness, mm-hmm. intimacy, mm-hmm. proximity with the Lord, because most people are like, hey, are you good with God? Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> he told me to do this. I did it. He told me to change my church. I changed. He told me to, mm-hmm. to find a new job. I did it. I got a new car. You know about? So we would have not thought of that Mm -hmm. as just kind of the maintenance reality of being a kingdom citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, -hmm. know, when we talk about the Holy spirit making us all prophetic in that classic sense Mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, God is able to communicate with us, get a message across to us for us to do whatever it is that he needs to do. But we'd have never thought that that would have been, you know, that there would have been something more that would be expected. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That there was a higher level a higher realm. And so, I was thinking about that when you spoke, and I thought, well, let's think about the biblical precedence for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have Numbers 12, where God completely busted up that (laughs) whole prophetic monopoly that was about to take place between Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. Mm -hmm. He comes in and lets them know, we're not that close. (laughs) I'm not that cool with you. Yeah, I spoke to you over here to give you this word. But, you know, Miriam was suggesting because she had gotten that prophecy, you know, just a couple mm-hmm. of chapters, you know, or actually the book before. She's like, uh, you know, thinking, okay, I heard from God, too, that they not speak with us. Also, mm-hmm. oh, so, oh, goes, like, wait a minute, but nobody speaks for me. I'm coming down here mm-hmm. and setting the record straight about where we stand and where we are in our level of in- intimacy. So although they were a part of, part of the Exodus project mm-hmm. and the Exodus task and assignment, God let them know we don't have that close of relationship. Mm-hmm. He said, but I, we speak face-to-face, so why would you not afraid mm-hmm. to speak about him? Mm-hmm. We have an intimate relationship. You saw signs and wonders. You saw fruit of the level or the degree of intimacy between mm-hmm. Moses and God, and mm-hmm. yet you would stand here and judge him as if you were equal. Well, let me, know. <laughs> let, me let you know that you're not equal. Because the the is Because I don't see all three of y'all. No, <laughs> well, the reason I said it is because people can easily say, could easily by the conditioning, the way we've been conditioned to view Christianity from a world's perspective, that what you're saying is just egomania mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Oh, she just tripping. She just acting like she all that and what? Did you wrote some books I, no, no, no. There's a biblical precedence for God distinguishing His relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Right. As 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 uh, incidental as it was. Even when in the story of Daniel, he separated Daniel from Shadrach, Meshach, and Benjamin, he ended up going to a whole different place to let you know that his relationship. And, and what he did with God is, first of all, he's the one that was initiating things. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're not going to eat this food. We're not going to act this way. Because I was going to be trained. He was leading and guiding and steering that and, and, and obviously was a, a, a very strong mentor to them that they relied on. Mm-hmm. Those are just the incidental things that are happening. And he was pushing for God's holiness. Absolutely. He was going to preserve that, mm-hmm. you know, to death. Yes. All right? You're yes. talking about they're about to throw you into a lion's den. Would you keep your holiness to that degree? Mm. That's intense. Okay, because a lot of us say, Well, I'd go in I'd do anything for the Lord. They're about to kill you. Oh, you know what? No, I, but I, the, I, not I the, burnt the people okay. who were throwing them in. Thank you. It's like, I, I need to, Lord, <laughs> let me think on what I've just uh, committed myself to. You know, because that's when you know the length or the strength of your conviction when you're facing those moments. But, so I thought about that, and I'm sitting there running down the biblical precedents for it, because a lot of times we just think that, well, that's just human, that was just flesh talking, that's just commandments of men, and mm-hmm. that's that kind of stuff that we did say. You, did you
1: realize that most of the things they call the commandments of men, yeah. I mean, the the uh, uh, the or the, uh, call flesh is God, and most of the
0: things that they call God is flesh. I mean, the church cannot, again, authenticate. Well, they can't because they've not gotten intimate with the mm-hmm. author. Yes. We may yes. be intimate, yes. intimate with the words, but not intimate with the author that wrote the book. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that you distinguish the Bible and the scriptures and all of that. Mm-hmm. Because that intimacy, you know, is with the author mm-hmm. of the scriptures um, and not just with the words themselves. Because words, as you often point out, can be manipulated. I mean, your yes. words are manipulated often from the dictionary, from the handbook, from everything else you say, yes. a lot of things you didn't understand. From uh, from the shows, quote, sometimes I like people back and say, that's not what I'm saying. Exactly, you know. So from messages, mm-hmm. so it's very true. So I would say that that was my first thing of saying that it's a wake up call because you're like, but well, I am hearing from God and I'm obeying. So I would assume that we're close. Mm-hmm. Woo, yeah. So that mm-hmm. was something to say. No, you're being used. Right. I'm Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. didn't realize that Mary and Aaron were simply being, being used. used, and he didn't like Aaron from the beginning. He told Moses, look, look, your brother's going to cut the fool. I don't really care about mm-hmm. the guy, but okay. You but know,
1: if, this, if this is going to get you to do what I want you to do, but you're right, I'll indulge you're the main, mm-hmm. you
0: know, the uh, main follower. The reality that Jesus had all of these disciples following him. He's making this sermon on the mount. We get the Beatitudes out of it, and he gets a following. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they're just throngs of people following him. And then we come down, and we're in Luke six, and then out of this following, he chooses twelve people. Mm-hmm. And we never think about the fact that, yeah. He's got all of these people that are listening to him, all of these people that are following him, all these people that he's healed and laid hands on and all of that, but he chooses a, a team. Mm-hmm. When you said the difference between the crowd and, and, and being used and God being on God's team. Mm-hmm. Okay? So out of all these people that are following him, he chose 12 Jacks to actually be his team. And three. To and go then to the mountain. three that were going to be his intimate. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then one he would reveal himself to. Mm-hmm. And that was John. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we had a crowd of disciples, 12 are the team that's going to help him accomplish the mission. That's the mission. So mm-hmm. That's the task force. Mm-hmm. So 12 are the task force. Three are his intimates and one he reveals himself. One's right. his best friend. Okay, because mm-hmm. it was John who gives us the book of Revelation, who he appears to multiple times yeah. upon ascension mm-hmm. and it's recorded that he's showing up to this guy regularly mm-hmm. after his departure. Yes, yeah, because he's my friend. Because that's his and friend. And I can trust my friend. He's
1: my most intimate friend,
0: And he was the only one that didn't die in a horrendous way. I mean, he told it to Peter, walking along the beach, okay, why do mm-hmm. you care about how he dies? I want him to live, you know, live yeah, and die means? normally, essentially. Then what does that care to you? You're going to be crucified, and you're going to honor the word that you denied uh, three times with that crow. You know, I like, mm-hmm. thought about the fact that God ultimately <laughs> made Peter to made him mm-hmm. want his Peter, and no, said, I'll die say. for you, Jesus. Honor. Okay, said, please, when I'm you're I'm old, you're going to lose your sight, <laughs> and they're going to have to put your clothes on you. Said, you're not even going to be able to dress yourself, and then they're going to have to carry you around. Exactly. I made him walk that out because he ultimately did have to die for Christ. He ultimately did have to be crucified, mm-hmm. so he had to end up carrying out that word even though he did not have that You know. But you now. think about John. Oh, no. <laughs> he yeah, John. I know. But you know,
1: Peter was the same when that said, far be it from your heart. And he had to say, give me his Satan." Peter had an open door for the devil because okay. his ego always needed to be friends with
0: the world. And that was where I was going next. So let's talk about that. Okay, well, you talk about it since you wrote it down? Well, yeah, well, it's again, she wrote it that we don't realize when we talk about, we often use the phrase culture-crafted Christianity, and people are, you know, and what that means, you know, when you uh, compare it to being scripturally organic mm-hmm. and culturally and modified, what are we talking about? What does that look like? What does that mean? And what is friendship with the world? All of the apostles cautioned us about becoming friends with the world. Ultimately, Peter did too, when he got himself together. Yeah, he recognized did. that, hey, you know what? You can't have it both ways. You're not going to be able to be loyal to God, like what Jesus told him the truth. You can't serve two masters. Mm-hmm. you yeah. God. Of yes, God of His world. Okay. You basically gonna love one and what? Hate the other. So when you are in that posture of friendship with the world, we talked about that in one there words a lot too, you're at a place of hatred and hostility towards mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And we are being conditioned and groomed to become more intimate and friend and, and having this friendship. Mm-hmm. Okay. With the world. That's becoming more matters. valuable. they trade yeah. with the world. You exactly. I mean? but, and therefore the world is, grasping how you live out and walk out your Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most controversial thing of the day, I'm sure I'm not the only person that uh, uh, felt that way is when you said, I'm not going to be judged by an unrighteous person. Yeah. No. Well, that sounds that sound like a little bit of a, a and I, I knocked everybody, because I think a lot of people stood up and said, thank you, Dr. Price. I never, <laughs> I never realized what I should say when mm-hmm. I'm having all these yeah. people come against mm-hmm. me for righteousness sake and not realizing that there's, again, here I am just pointing out the obvious, Biblical precedence there is for that. David refused to do it. If you read his Psalms, I'm not going to be judged by the wicked. Mm -hmm. Proverbs says that we shouldn't be. Okay, Job said, what in the world? Uh I am this righteous guy and I got these people. (laughs) He's talking about whatever. So there's a biblical precedence for all of them, there being that standard. And Paul says the most, which I would love for you to expound on one day, maybe not the show, but Paul said, we got a little time, okay. But Paul said Mm -hmm. something so unusual. When he talks about this whole why we shouldn't, how the carnal mind is that enmity with God mm-hmm. and how you have to live by the Spirit and all of this stuff in Corinthians, right? So I'm reading past that and how you have to be, you know, spiritual. And in and, and, and the same, uh, not that chapter, but in the same breadth of conversation, because, you know, we break them up into chapters, but Paul is really making me, long a, okay, a whole statement in the Corinthians about comparing spiritual things with spiritual and all mm-hmm. of this, right? And he says, but a spiritual man is judged by no one. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to know what the implications of that statement really are, mm-hmm. because I heard that come out in, in this moment when you said, how is it that this unholy person who's living this unholy lifestyle is going to judge me, going to be able, or, or should say credit it with righteous judgment? And that's what's happening with the culture crafted Christian. We are crediting the world of having righteous judgment and be able to judge us righteously about how we should behave or not behave as Christians, and they are in need of saving, And they hate Jesus Christ. You know, like a woman, you know the
1: little crazy girl they talk about, well, you know, you can't be a woman preacher. You're not a Christian,
0: so you can't tell me why. But that's the norm, and it's becoming. We don't realize how conditioned we're becoming. Because no. we would say, you would say to yourself, I'm not a culture-crafted Christian. I'm going to be hanging out in clubs. I don't drink don't smoke. But yet, you but find yourself, you, right, you find yourself softening the doctrine, softening the message, pulling back off of things because the world's impression of you. Yeah, that's good. And the world's impression of how you should live out your Christian walk, as if they are <laughs> literally... Standing on the mountain of righteous judgment to begin with, which is what Jesus said anyway in the passage when he said, You guys are judging wrong, but I judge righteously because I don't judge with the outward appearance. We took that to mean that, well, just because the person who judged you was a hoe doesn't mean that she can't have the right to tell you that you should treat her differently. See, that's mm-hmm. how we interpreted that scripture. But that's not what he, was saying, not what he was saying. Because this man dealing the fact
1: that she's a yes. hoe tells me she doesn't get righteousness right.
0: Thank you, and that she's judging with the wrong appearance <laughs> yes, because she's sure. appearing what it appears to be harsh, what appears to be legalistic, what appears to be whatever is actually that truth that heals. Yes. It's is actually that truth that converts. Is actually that truth that saves that she was talking about earlier. So when we read that passage, look at who he's talking to. Fallacy. Sadducees, who are supposed to know the law and are looking at the outward appearance and using that as their measurement. And so, merciful, and God,
1: Jesus was merciful to the unbeliever and to the sinner because He said, "That's why I came." Jesus Christ came to the world, you know, to save sinners. So we understand that. And if she wasn't, say, if she had been, had not been saved, I would have said, "Well, I'm that. I would have said, but you know nothing.'" Okay, you don't know Jesus. How are you going to judge somebody without the manual? How are you going to judge somebody without the criteria? How are you going to judge somebody without the standards and the yardstick? Just because you got a bunch of so so chauvinistic men who can't figure out why God has no problem with women doesn't mean that their judgment is right. You just is afraid of having to share the field. It's a lot out there. Don't worry about it. Okay, but. To answer your question, you almost answered your own question. Yeah, by that's right. I, and that's what I
0: thought it was yeah. connected, but I wanted to give verification. authentication. Authentic, okay. That's right. I, I want to authenticate this. That's I right. authentication of how, why he said that a spiritual man is judged by no one. Because, and
1: really, when he says spiritual, you know, we have all of that, that kind of language. But God is saying, if you are of my spirit, there is no one qualified to judge you. See, so just I because people it. say that, just because people criticize doesn't mean they judge.
0: Uh, See, it's interesting. Okay, I got to take a note. First yeah. of all, if you're not taking notes, <laughs> then you're not listening today. Because I want
1: you to hear this. See, we, the world, and I want everyone out there to do me a big, big, big favor, you know, especially my family. But I want you to do me a big favor. I want you to research the word judge. Mm-hmm. See, I, in my course in Diagnostic, uh, Prophecy like Diagnostics, I do a whole class on the word judge because there are so many synonyms to the word judge that most times what people are rendering is disagreement. You disagree, but you still can't render a judgment because a judgment has to be backed by something more than your disagreement or your difference of opinion. You cannot judge me unless you're in a seat above me. That's number one. And so there's nobody above the spirit because the spirit, come on, somebody. So God...
0: That some kind of sentence would need to be rendered.
1: Something has to be done with the decision. Okay.
0: That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. See, when you see,
1: superior judge, you have to be above somebody to judge them, which is where Christianity got embarrassed. See, we let the world embarrass us into stepping down with the people who God came to save and who God Ooh. came to correct, you know? And what do he say? He said, Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. So you can, we can critique his peers we can critique as equals, we can criticize, you know, we can discriminate, we can discern, we can detect. Does anybody realize that I studied judgment? You come on. So we can do all of that, but the person who judged, sitting in the seat of a judge, that's a different kind of thing. And you, the judge has got to be high enough to have no one countermand that, that judgment. Now, So you can disagree, you can you can, you know, disapprove. You can fuss and fume. But the bottom line is what we call judgment is simple criticism, disagreement, or disapproval. Mm-hmm. So, and, is, and none well. of that comes from a seat of power. None of that comes from a seat of legitimacy at all. So in order for you to judge me, that's why I was saying, how are you going to judge me by something that's under me? That's good. Because they went upstairs and told you, and because you happen to like them and you don't like me, God said judge righteous judgment. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 5 says, but Jesus will not judge according to the hearing of his ears or the seeing of his eyes. He said he he would judge righteous judgment. And that righteous judgment means that Jesus would judge from a very objective, impartial, unbiased instrument or source. So when these people say, well, who are you to judge me? Are you kidding me? The CBC judges fornication. I don't have to do it because they already do it. The World Health Organization judges fornication, judges promiscuity, judges sin. They judge you because you're tearing up their, their community and you're destroying society. That
0: is a judgment rendered by an authority. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you think about a judgment, she said something powerful about judgment of Why do
1: you think some people don't even, the news won't even talk about the scene. No, on it. On they won't. Well, they the know.
0: reason why is because it shows how, it shows God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to say God doesn't judge, he loves, God doesn't judge, he loves. However, the CDC proves that that's not true, that he that the judgments against immorality stand whether we, uh, let me use the terms right, whether we criticize, disagree, or disapprove of them, because that's all the world's doing is, is, is indicating its disapproval. Mm-hmm. But they can't render judgments against the Spirit because the Spirit predates them, and that's this stuff exactly. is, and, and the Spirit right, and the Spirit is clean, but it's also etched and controlled or encoded in society. Exactly. So God's judgment mm-hmm. on morality stands. And the CDC proved it because there's a consequence that came with it. He said that it was a wrong. Conscience. Do you realize what this? So that's he right. said it was wrong. <laughs> he said it was wrong. Yeah, he said it was wrong. And now the results are what? You go to the CDC, you're it's seeing disease, good. you're seeing sickness, you're seeing STDs. we got viruses coming out of people's mm-hmm. bodies, entering other people's bodies through immorality that they can't control. They don't have antibiotics for. We don't have remedies for. This is crazy. So... It, our disapproval doesn't do anything against God's judgment because, well, let's be real. He sits higher than us. He predates us, and it validates the fact that he runs this world.
1: And, you know, Paul said it this way. He said, but there's a law in my members. See, so your members have laws, and laws are codes. They are codes of destruction, That's codes of protection. When you, call up, when you talk about that, you know, we have a, a call to protection. You, you know, we inoculate people to give yes. them, come on, protection against the codes of death and destruction. So you can talk to me all day long. The best of all I can say is that when we, when we judge you to be judgmental, who cares? <laughs> and that because whether I say it or not, the law and human members will do the work it will, because they are faithful to God. They belong to God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, the only sin we take in ourselves is sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. Every other sin, in order to damage you, you get to eat it, and you have an opportunity for your your immune system to push it out, but not. Your immune system cannot push out sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. It begins to breed and brood in your body because in effect, I say this all the time, Mm -hmm. And, it, it, and it sounds like, most people don't really get it. So here's a test, guys. Ready? Testing, testing, testing. testing. For the most part, sex is cursed. Mm-hmm. And the only way to supersede the global genetic curse on sex is marriage. Mm-hmm. Marriage supersedes. That is why, you know, when you, even when you do it, you know, you notice know, if your spouse goes out to commit adultery, God said that if you are a faithful person, your spouse's adultery will be restrained until they leave you. Mm. But when they leave you, the wages of sin is death, because if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. Mm. So the flesh is coded to kill you, because that's what was won in Eden. The flesh was coded to kill you. Take your wow, life. Wow, see wow. death. Mm-hmm. That's why he said, See, we made all of this thing poetic. And so, because it's poetic, you think it's a song that you get to choose right. whether you like or not. You know, but God used codes, He used um, ciphers and, and cryptics to tell us how the unseen world works and how the invisible world works. Right. Nothing is higher than the spiritual world. So when you move the righteousness of the spiritual world, nothing on earth can judge you.
0: Ooh, okay, 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 okay. 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 Oh, go ahead, you go first. <laughs> because we got to talk about this though, Hold oh, on. Girl. When you were saying that, it just made me think about the fact that we had to come up with a way to make se- sex safe. Yes. Sex, A safe sex. Yes, right. Interesting, because my my the brain's says, really it's started unsafe, un- you know, and the and the only thing that makes sex safe is what one partner, okay, uh-huh. um, but, exactly. I'm sorry, get out of here. And, I, just and, have, I just have and to. I just
1: have to because mm, mm, mm. I'm not being funny, and it's a heterosexual, but everything that is sex outside of marriage is subject to the curse. And was, well, just is the curse meaning, no, and it's a curse in your body. So you're taking that curse in your body in the same way that Adam took that serpent who was cursed
0: in his body and thus death, death spread to all. My gosh. No, 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 no. Well, and here's the deal is that we think that because we think that we can create laws to supersede God's laws based on our disapproval. Mm-hmm. Now, so when we deal with the whole situation with the alphabet, we're we're, we're saying, okay, they're saying, well, we're going to just make a law that says that we can get married, okay, not necessarily honoring the, mm-hmm. the, the law of the spirit that mm-hmm. literally said what marriage is yes. for them and yes. what it looks like and what it does and what it's supposed to produce and all of that predating our disapproval. So now that we, because we disapprove, we feel like that that takes the judgment off.
1: Can. And the reason that it can't oh, take enough. the judgment off, you know, I'm having fun today. You know, this is pretty hot. Good good <laughs> <women, laughs> so Let me go back to it
0: takes, it. takes the spiritual judgment off. Well, it just take the judgment off the natural either because I keep forgetting that these, these judgments come with those consequences. The word marriage actually mm.
1: means yoke. Now, that sounds like that's no big deal. But it actually means yoked to reproduce. Whether it's reproducing physically, mm-hmm. procreating, or reproducing spiritually, which is the new birth, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, the elements of God's spirit, righteousness, holiness. Mm-hmm. See, those are all reproducers too. So marriage means yoked. To reproduce, and the alphabet cannot reproduce. And then want to, and those that do can only reproduce that which is doomed, because by virtue of how you marry, by virtue of who you marry, that exactly that's how it goes. God says that divorce is cursed. We'll go with that. And so it said, the Lord God hates divorce. But God regulated that in 1 Corinthians 7 when he said, if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. Mm-hmm. A brother or sister is not under bondage or obligation in such cases. But we have gotten to the point, even our Supreme Court, we forgot that marriage, by definition, is yoked to reproduce. So you, they authorize people to yoke to reproduce disease, sin, on and on and on. They, they, they literally rendered a judgment that America could be destroyed and infected by that. Because the CDC already said it. I got a problem with the Supreme Court that didn't go to the C- CDC. I got a problem with the Supreme Court that didn't go to the World Health Organization, didn't go to the NIH. I'm telling you, that was a decision they did not have to make. They were blinded. Who has bewitched you? But we got a Supreme Court that won't even look at its own statistics and its own documentation. I got a problem with that. I really do. But you know what? Then that means I can't trust anything they said. Because that means that, as far as I'm concerned, our Supreme Court shoots from the hip. They just pick up whatever the agenda is. That means that their reason for being in those seats is not going to be fulfilled because they're not going to protect me. They're not going to cover me. They're not going to work on their equity as to whoever pushes them. Then I'm sorry. I got a problem with that because there was no way. Statistically, and I mean literally, there was no reason for them to render that law because everything – Everything, whether it was a public sentiment, whether it was a majority of Americans, or whether it was the documentation that was at their disposal, they literally ignored all of that and exposed this country to what has historically been proven to take out a nation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, you know, and of course, getting those things, you do have to, you know, which is why the enemy wanted to get rid of Job, mm-hmm. because he was akin to a Supreme Court. Yes, you, know, you know, Magistrates mm-hmm. magistrate mm-hmm. would be probably the appropriate tone for his era. Yeah. Uh, in his in his time, but I can see why the enemy lobbies to get him out because the reality is that many people today many righteous men and women sitting in those seats today don't want to jeopardize their seats. Yeah, you know, right. so, and they'll vote in something like this mm-hmm. and you know just to, to be able to remain in the chair yeah. and not necessarily doing the reason that we need them, in the seat, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, to begin with and I think that that's something. Um, that's, that's challenging in our world system today that has inverted justice and perverted mm-hmm. truth and et cetera. The redefinition of marriage, uh, I, I, based on what you're saying, the, redefin- the redefinition of marriage is not just marriage between a a mm-hmm. male and female or a male and a male and a woman and a woman. In terms of the redefinition, mm-hmm. according to what you just said today, what we actually redefine is the purpose, which means that marriage no longer exists for appropriation. No. and that's mm-hmm. a different conversation than what we're having today, because we're making it about who you are in partnership with, and not necessarily what marriage it's exists marriage. to do. Mm-hmm. But, so, but the only reason I brought that out, no, but it's an important. Is training. because
1: even though they redefined it. And they legalize it, they can't cure its consequences.
0: And and that what well, that Okay. So that,
1: so mm-hmm. all of your paperwork, because this is all a paper game. Mm-hmm. So all of your paperwork mm-hmm. in the world can't cure the curse that's on immoral mm-hmm. marriage. The curse goes on. The rage goes on. God is doing you're even talking about how the male sperm is decreasing. Why? Because you don't need to procreate, so God's not giving us sperm. Ooh, okay. You already decreed we're going to flush it down the toilet. We're going to put it in feces. We're going to put it in toilet paper. We're going to do, okay, you already decreed that you're going to th- trash this man's sperm, which are lies to him, even yeah. though it's sperm to you. You already decreed you're going to do that. So God is cutting off the source.
0: Yes. Uh. And
1: within the next 10 years, you're going to have more male impotency than you ever dreamed. Ooh. And you know why? Because God said, I'm saving it for a generation that will give me fruit. Yeah, yes. In the well, we're coming to the end. I yeah, have about three minutes for you to say something, mm, profound, mm, to yeah, problems, problems. Have something profound to me i something You know, I couldn't think of anything profound to say. How are my people? How are you guys enjoying this? How are you? Yeah, Norma says you all are mm. on.
0: Ooh. Yeah, I'm sure that mm. you're mm. on. See, I mean, but you these are yeah, We could have right? yeah, yeah. We have mm-hmm. that we could go.
1: We could probably have a whole show on. Yeah, we're going to do a couple so of shows. And speaking of shows, don't forget. When you come to this year's Tulsa Prophetic Woo, Training yeah. Institute, we're doing a live taping of taking it on with Paula Price, and I am addressing the audience. You want to be in the audience now? Yes. Seating is limited. Hallelujah! And we're almost at capacity. Yeah, yes, we, we are almost. Now.
0: We're, we're going to be
1: busting out the Yeah, place, so we're we got to open up the walls. You know. Make
0: that decision today. Yes.
1: yes. And you want to be a part of the First live taping of taking it on with Paula Price because these things need to be discussed. You all, I'm not here to fight the enemy. The first thing they got to do is get saved. All are saved, Because trust me, my issues mean nothing to them until they have been to the cross and washed in the blood. Until then, their biggest issue is that they have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They need a Savior. And the Bible said that Jesus Christ is the only name given under heaven whereby people must be saved. Oh on, God, you just a sugar, mm, yum, 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 Jesus. Come on and love him up with me. You know the man's a sugar. Let's give our king some love. He's a sweetheart, and I love Jesus Christ. I love our faith. Yes. I know half of y'all, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. Are you kidding? I am so, not only am I sure I'm a Christian, I'm a good Christian. Because I'm good to the founder. I'm Mm -hmm. good to the founder of the Christian faith. And I don't plan to be bad. I don't plan to cut his throat. I don't plan to deny him. I don't plan to reject him. I don't plan to refuse him. I don't plan to misrepresent him. I'm good to Jesus because I don't plan to be bad. That's it. That's good. That's good. That's good. Get on my website, DrPaulaAPrice.com. Come and say, Doctor Price, I'm coming, and I'm bringing folks. I'm coming. I'm making my way. I'm pressing my way. You can feel the energy in me right now. You know it's gonna be good, cause you know mm-hmm. we I'm got this to stay over up. till Sunday. Yeah, you, yeah, you want to stay Monday. Monday? Yeah, cause you want. We we have you a fact. Time so cool <laughs> yeah, we have a phenomenal week planned for mm-hmm. you, and so I'm excited about it. I'm hey, you know what? I can't even come on, Jesus, my okay. honey man. Okay. Hallelujah.
0: Oh, you're oh this is our master. No, June 20th through the 23rd. So it's coming up this Wednesday, the 20th of June, and we will go through Saturday as the event. But if you're staying over for Sunday for our special service and baptism, that is going to be the 24th. So if you're planning to come for the whole weekend, June 20th to 24th, the live taping is going to be on Friday night, yes. the 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. If, if you're local, listening. if you're coming, if you're driving and you want to be a part of the live taping, then you can let us know by emailing us. I'm going to give them an email address. I'm going to give them my email address. Email me at A-D-I-A, A-D-I-A at com and let us know that you want to be a part of the baptism. No, help me. Taking it off Taking it on. With Paula <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> and you know what? What is it? You want people to ask me, so what is it? Anything
1: that bothers God, yes. anything that concerns him, if it's God, then it's it. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm, 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 I'm taking my, my question. Baby, you know, we're going to do baptism, So cool <laughs> baptism. I know some folks say, well, that's just No, no, no. When people came to God, they always got washed from their sins. It didn't make a difference that they were natural Israel. God was appealing. They wanted God to step up in their life. They had to shed, wash off the world. So guess what? That's all we doing. I'm not saying you saved and not saved because I'm telling you the truth. When I meet you, I'll know. Amen. But that's a whole yes,
0: other so. But And the, the reality is, just on a closing note about the baptism, this baptism is for being baptized into scripturally organic and culturally unmodified, uh, meaning that you want to wash off the culture-crafted of Christianity that you've been raised in and now want to rededicate yourself and commit yourself to, to this organic. new standard, mm-hmm. this organic faith. Yes. So we're talking about really
1: committing to organic Christianity, scripturally organic, Christianity. You know, I'm so in love with God. I almost don't want to, I love you guys. You all, we're t- together. We're so excited today. Look at you. you still got holding on to me. I feel you just pulling me in. But you know, I'm loving on you. You're my family and you're my beloved. Have a great week. Join us again Sunday for, ha ha ha, Scripture Organic, Cultural Modified, Christianity at the Congregation of the Mighty where God, God stands. stands. God bless you.
0: Yay, we did it. We did it. I'm confused. because I going have people know. emailing me about baptism, too, so I was like, no, not baptism. Oh, right, well, I understand. Hey, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? What
1: can I say? Hey, I think it's Michelle. Well, uh, you know, the Holy Code.